Welcome to the August 2020 podcast for the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition. I'm Dr. Kelly Tappenden, Professor and Head of Kinesiology and Nutrition at the University of Illinois at Chicago and Editor-in-Chief of JPEN. I'm very pleased today to welcome Dr. Jenna Dohenek on behalf of her colleagues at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. The paper that we're going to be discussing is entitled Starving the Gut, a deficit of butyrate in the intestinal ecosystem of children with intestinal failure. Welcome, Dr. Dohenyuk. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Tappenden. I was really pleased to see your work because of course, short bowel syndrome and intestinal failure in children is really such a difficult issue though there have been certain advances in the lipids that are provided uh, in helping with liver disease. Certainly these, these children require very high amounts of parenteral nutrition to meet their energy and protein uh, nutrient needs on a per kilogram basis compared to that of adults. Uh, so it's a very difficult problem and many labs have focused on what we can do to cause that intestine to grow, increase intestinal adaptation by enhancing, expanding the, the structure of the intestine, increasing the function of the intestine. And many groups, including my own, have looked at butyrate as a potential trophic agent to stimulate intestinal growth and function. So you're looking at this issue in, in a cohort of children Tell us exactly uh, what your rationale was to conduct this work. Thank you. Um, yes, our group was interested in the microbiome in children with short bowel syndrome. As you know, there's a growing interest in the host microbe interactions. And specifically for us, we wanted to understand a bit about the crosstalk and how this could influence those clinical outcomes in short bowel syndrome. As you mentioned, that can be quite uh, significant with a high morbidity. So one of the key mediators of host microbe interactions, as you mentioned, is the production of butyrate, and that's through our microbiome. And we recognize that children with short bowel syndrome and intestinal failure would experience a number of insults to the microbiome. That could be uh, frequent antibiotic courses, or times of enteral deprivation. So it led us to be interested in both the microbiome composition and the microbiota functionality. So we wanted to look at microbiome metabolic pattern by looking at short-chain fatty acids, specifically butyrate, um, that we know are so important for chronic health. Uh, and why the microbiome in short bowel syndrome? We do find that dysbiosis could be important to children with bowel syndrome for three reasons. It could be a biomarker of disease or disease severity. There are possible therapeutic options for our treatment effects and to look if there's an association with some of their clinical outcomes. I think that this is really a very important uh, issue that we need to have understanding on. In the literature, there's only a very few, a handful of papers looking at um, microbiota communities within individuals with short bowel syndrome, actually more in pediatrics than adults. But it's been described to be this lactobiosis, where there's a predominance or an overabundance of lactobiotic species that are present. What did you do to look at that community? 
how did you use the methodology? Because of course that's quite important too. So what we had done in our study is we looked um, prospectively at a cohort of children with short bowel syndrome and we compared that to control children. However, our aim was to actually look at some of those compositional differences uh, between two groups of short bowel syndrome. So our first group was actually those that could be defined as intestinal failure. So they required that longstanding parental nutrition, had central lines, um, and required that for fluid electrolyte nutrition balance. The second group were actually those that were initially and continued to be followed by our short bowel team. However, they no longer required their parental nutrition. So they had met that enteral autonomy uh, goal that you mentioned that we're striving for. And so we wanted to look at differences between those three groups. We collected 53 samples over six to 15 months, and we did analyze through 16S ribosomal RNA gene sequencing. And then we looked at short-chain fatty acid, total quantity, and within short-chain fatty acids, um, including butyrate, by mass spectrometry. We also collected and investigated for confounders, such as the presence of an ileocecal valve, a presence of a colon, the patient's age, um, and age matched our controlled children, and then looked at what the frequency was of antibiotic use probiotic use, and fiber consumption. So if I recap then, you had three groups, healthy kids, you did. those with short bowel syndrome, and those with more severe short bowel syndrome that we could really categorize of it as intestinal failure because they required PN. That's correct. Did any of your uh, children in the short bowel syndrome group require partial parenteral nutrition, fluids, or were they, did they have complete enteral autonomy, even if it might have been via enteral feeding? All of our patients required parental nutrition previously. However, none of them at the time of study enrollment required fluid or nutrition via the parental route. For those in the short bowel syndrome group? Yes. But those in the intestinal failure short bowel syndrome group all required parental nutrition, right? That's correct. And were they eating also if they had intestinal failure? Uh, those with intestinal failure had a, had a range of amount of oral calories. All would require some G-tube caloric support as well, um, but it did range within that group. Okay. Uh, and, and one final question. When you were looking at selecting healthy controls, uh, how did you select those so that they may be relevant to those kids who who had short bowel syndrome, either with or without parental support? Our control group was actually obtained from a hematology clinic. So these patients were age-matched in an alternative clinic that had to meet exclusion criteria, uh, those with no other underlying GI uh, diagnosis or disease, and patients that actually uh, potentially could have had a central line for a hematologic underlying etiology. And this was for uh, future studies that will look at immune phenotyping between these groups. So because though the healthy cohort had uh, a reason to be at a hematology clinic, how did you rule out the fact that that may have impacted the microbiome that you assessed? And it may not in fact represent that of a healthy child. So for our control groups, we did require some strict inclusion and exclusion criteria. 
certainly of most importance was those that did not have any underlying gastrointestinal diseases, those who consume a typical diet uh, without G-tube feeds, um, and those that would have no GI impact. So we would hope that they'd have limited impact in their underlying microbiota. However, a limitation of this study was also looking at uh, future research that might look at immune pattern or immune phenotyping of children with short bowel syndrome. And therefore, a hematology clinic was used to obtain our controls so that some patients, in fact, did have a central line for an underlying hematologic uh, disease. And this will allow for other future studies to have controls for central line access compared to those with short bowel syndrome. It was very important, though, to review probiotic use and antibiotic use and compare those findings to those in our cohort. All right. So tell us what you found. So the most interesting finding in this study was differences in diversity between groups, as well as composition trends and uh, butyrate production or butyrate quantity. There were significant differences in the diversity between groups, defined by both the alpha diversity or richness in a sample, as well as beta differences between groups. Looking at compositional trends, uh, this included a drastic increase in the relative abundance of protobacteria. And we know that blooms of protobacteria are often described in disease states, as well as following the use of antibiotics. But protobacteria typically represents less than 2% of our microbiome. In this study, the control group had an observed mean of 0.36%, while in intestinal failure, it was as high as a mean of 50%. Those in the short bowel syndrome group had a mean abundance of 26.5%. So as you can see, there was certainly an impressive expansion of proteobacteria, more than you've seen in perhaps other disease states. Some of the kids with intestinal failure even had samples of proteobacteria exceeding 94%. Furthermore, we actually analyzed the relative abundance patterns within the proteobacteria phylum at the class, order, families, and genus level, and we saw the same trend in gamma proteobacteria, enterobacteraceae, and esteracea. So esteracea seemed to be driving a lot of the bloom we could appreciate in the proteobacteria. Escherichia had a drastic bloom of the relative abundance up to 42% compared to 24% in those with short bowel syndrome and less than 0.25% in those with controls. We were able to investigate that E. coli seemed to be driving the majority of this Escherichia bloom. And so that worked out to being as high as 168 times the amount of Escherichia in the intestinal failure group compared to controls. Also, we looked at the compositional trend of what we would consider as healthy or commensal bacteria. And we focused on those that are known to influence short-chain fatty acids. So of the five that we had set out to focus on, there was a difference in the relative abundance of two very important family, including Lachnosporiciae and Rumnococcyciae. And we know that within this family, there are species very important in the production of butyrate. So the proportion of rumnococcyciae was reduced in children with intestinal failure with an observed mean of 0.2%. That was compared to 2.6% in those with short bowel syndrome and those with controls of 18.6%.
And a similar finding and trend was seen in lacnosbrisiae, those with intestinal failure having the lowest observed mean of 11% compared to 34% in short bowel syndrome and 51% in controls. And lastly, our analysis of short-chain fatty acids detected a difference in overall short-chain fatty acid quantity, the total quantity, as well as a reduction in butyrate specifically. Butyrate is an important fuel for colonic epithelial cells. It's important to regulate the proliferation of cells. It's important for sodium absorption and it has a role in mucosal immunity given an increase in tolerogenic T cells. So you can really hypothesize that butyrate would be important for a child with short bowel syndrome. So in this study, butyrate levels in the intestinal failure group was 0.2 nanomoles per milligram, and that compared to 10.9 nanomoles per milligram for those in the control group. And that value of around 10 nanomoles per milligram is similar to what other pediatric studies have found in healthy control groups. So we're certainly very interested in this finding of uh, microbiome composition, microbiome functionality, and what the impact of this low butyrate would have for children with short bowel syndrome. You said that the results you found in the composition were similar in your healthy group to other reports of healthy children. How do your results parallel those or contrast from those in the literature on children with short bowel syndrome? Other researchers have looked at microbiome composition for children with short bowel syndrome, some looking at them cohorted together, those with and without intestinal failure, others looking at specifically within the intestinal failure group. And there has been a similar finding of within the proteobacteria phyla having an abundance of this phyla. So some report it to the gamma proteobacteria uh, level, some report to the Escherichia genus, um, but there has been this finding uh, previously. There also has been findings of increased lactobacilli, uh, which our study had not found specifically, but there have been an, a trend in other short bowel syndrome research. It has certainly been identified a dysbiosis pattern for children with short bowel syndrome. To our knowledge, this was the first that looked at correlating the butyrate quantity with also compositional trends looking at some of those commensals important for butyrate production as we have. I actually love the fact that you did go on and assess short chain fatty acid concentration in the samples. Uh, after looking at the changes in the microbiome, I, I was just dying to know if that resulted in a change in butyrate. And of course, you show that it really does. And in many ways, if we think from a, a metabolomic perspective, that's really what it boils down to, right? I have two questions for you. How do those short chain fatty acids, particularly butyrate, differ between the kids with short bowel syndrome alone, but enteral autonomy versus those with short bowel syndrome requiring parental nutrition or those having intestinal failure. So it was very interesting to find the differences in butyrate and the differences in composition trend between children with short bowel syndrome and those that had intestinal failure. And if you look at some of our graphics, you do notice this stepwise change between those with short bowel syndrome and intestinal failure. Uh, so one of our takeaways is really the idea of this 
continuum of dysbiosis that you might see in children with short bowel syndrome. And that also was found within the butyrate quantity in stools. So those patients with short bowel syndrome who previously required parental nutrition, they did have a lower amount of butyrate quantity, despite the fact that they now had enteral autonomy. However, those with intestinal failure were certainly the most significantly impacted with very low levels of butyrate, and in some samples, having no butyrate quantity detected at all. Okay, so for those of us who care for children with short bowel syndrome, it begs the question of how do we deliver butyrate given that they aren't producing it with the composition or the community of microbes that they have present based on your work. Uh, and that makes us think of novel butyrate administrative administration, prebiotics, probiotics. Tell us what you think about this given your data. We were very interested in the finding of low butyrate for children with intestinal failure. Because our study has been looking at a single time point, we aren't able to really understand if this is a cause or effect. But we do suspect that the microbiome composition and some of those commensal bacteria likely have a role in the overall butyrate quantity being so low. So we hope that there are further studies and clinical trials that can look into the effect of a therapeutic target. And that might be looking at the commensals and some of those specific commensal bacteria like lachnospherisiae or rhumnococcaceae as a potential target whether that be, be uh, fecal transplantation, probiotic or prebiotic supplementation, or if butyrate itself is a possible therapeutic target um, with short-chain fatty acid enemas or other means of increasing butyrate in the stool. However, we really recognize that these would require further clinical trials to understand their impact in short bowel syndrome. And so just as a teaser for the JPEN audience, are you and your colleagues doing any of that work right now? So our group is looking at uh, some of the findings in this cohort, specifically with butyrate quantity being low and how that might impact mucosal immunity and immune phenotype. Um, however, no uh, therapeutic trial has been started at our site looking specifically at the impact this could make in clinical outcomes. Thank you very much for this important work, Dr. Dohenyak. Uh, I congratulate you and your colleagues. Thank you. For our listeners, please do go to the August 2020 version of the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition and examine this work further, entitled Starving the Gut, a Deficit of Butyrate in the Intestinal Ecosystem of Children with Intestinal Failure. <laughs>